Thanks for tuning in. You're now listening to the latest podcast from House SF. For more information about House and our heart for the city, please make sure to visit our website at www.housesf.org. Should I just start by praying? I think so. I don't think we could pray enough. Is that good? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, thank you so much for today. God, we thank you for what you're doing. You're doing something new, and we get to be a part of it. So we commit this service to you, God. Have your way. Speak to us today. May we be built up. May we be encouraged May we be challenged. Father, I ask that we would not leave this place today the same way that we walked in. Change us, Lord God. We thank you and we just want to say we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I have a bit of a random question to start off with this morning, but I kind of get the, the juices flowing. Who loves mathematics? Wrong question to ask, right? Sergi loves it. Used to, not anymore. You've fallen out of love, right? Is that, is that right? Yeah, you used to, not so much, or you just don't want to admit it because you're too cool now? No, no, no. now I use the calculator. Oh, the calculator. Oh, you've cheated on your first love, man. Anyone, anyone else love math? No, yeah, yeah, kind, kind of ish, right? I tell you what, I appreciate it. Arlene, I know you love some math. She's just beaming. She's like trying to hold it in. I love, ready to, she's ready to do laps around the room and tell everybody how much she loves math. Now, I was thinking about it, and I think math was one of my probably least favorite subjects in school, unfortunately. Um, I was thinking about it this week when I was sitting in class, my goodness, algebra. Algebra. Okay. A little more. Probably why I hated it is my brother was so good at it too. <laughs> I only have one sibling. My brother's three years older than I am. And he was like, he excelled in math and me not so much. So like when I was in algebra, he was in trigonometry or calculus or one of those, you know, starting off and yeah, left me in the dust. But if I sit back and think about it, the one thing that blew my mind when I was sitting in these classrooms was the first day, I think, in algebra when the, the teacher wrote something on the board. And it looked something like this. x plus y equals, and then it had some random numbers. And all of a sudden, I thought, I'm in the wrong class. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Like, I, seriously, I have no clue what that means. And out of all the things that I learned in class, I probably struggled with it more than I'd like to admit. Out of all the things that I remember, the most profound thing that I remember from that class was one thing that the teacher said. And it actually stuck with me throughout all these years. He actually said, you can't add apples and oranges. How profound is that? <laughs> Mind's blown. I'm looking at everyone, and everyone's just like, really? I came to church for this this morning. You cannot add apples and oranges. Has anyone else heard that phrase? Yeah? Yeah? It's okay to nod. You can wake up. You're like, you're here with me. This is engaging. We've all heard it, right? What, what is it about? You cannot add apples and oranges. It's like you can't add one thing to another, right? It has to be the same. Later on, we had the game apples to apples. Anyone play apples to apples? 
You guys are struggling working up. There's like two people out of all of you play that game. Liars. Liars. We need to repent. We're just going to stop the service, and we're going to have prayer time for the rest of you. You guys need to repent. Come to the altar. We'll start playing the key. Break out a keyboard. Isaiah, start playing the piano in the back. We're going to get this. Come on, guys. So like, understand the, the concept behind this, right? If you think about it, an apple tree produces apples. An orange tree produces orange. Oranges. Excuse me. Orange. I'm struggling too this morning. So you, you cannot add the two together because they're both different, right? So that's why you can only really compare like apples to apples because an apple tree cannot produce an orange. And an orange tree cannot produce an apple. Vice versa, right? Kind of makes sense then. In Matthew chapter 12, I was reading when Jesus says, For a tree is recognized by its fruit. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. In fact, if we, if we actually look back a few more chapters, five chapters to be exact, in cha- Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is teaching about false prophets, teachers, and disciples, and he actually refers to the fruits in their lives. So I'm going to read that for you. That's Matthew chapter 7, verses 16 through 20. And Jesus said, By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Anybody even know what a thistle is? Oh, you're so smart. And you guys just don't want to answer. Thank you. At least one hand goes up. Verse 17. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Makes sense, right? Apple tree can't make oranges, orange tree can't make apples, right? So a good fruit or a good tree makes good fruit, bad tree, bad fruit. Verse 18, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. There's something about that. So by their fruit, you will recognize. It makes sense. You walk up to a tree and you can tell apples on it, it's probably going to be an apple tree. Not really going out on a limb, right? Walking up to another tree or a grapevine. Shocker, there's grapes on it, right? <laughs> you can actually tell what it is by the fruit on the tree. Right. Are we good? Yeah. You're waking up. Yeah. I'm going to be like shouting at you guys in a minute to get you awake. Come on. Okay, so it makes sense then that Jesus says grapes from grapevines, figs from... Fig. There you go. Did you... Did you fig plants. A, a fiddle leaf fig. No, so San Francisco. All right, do you guys know this with, with fig trees that the leaves actually don't come out before the fruit? Yeah, actually at the same time. How weird is that? So you typically like leaves are on the tree first and then it blooms and then bears fruit. Exact opposite. That's for free. If anything, that's the reason you came to church this morning. McGuire, you'll have fun looking that one up later. You'll thank me. So Jesus is basically saying, if you live a certain way, your life's going to reflect that. If you live a certain way, your life is going to show it, right? The legacy that you kind of lead is going to show that, or have you, for what we're talking about, you will yield fruit that reflects the way you live. You will yield fruit that reflects the way you live. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter, kind of a scolding letter to the church in Galatia. And 
he's actually addressing something quite similar, this fruit that we're talking about. See, he builds a case vividly describing what is basically, it's referring to a life that is self-indulgent, self-centered, self-reliant, and how it looks like to not honor God in your life. He paints this picture, and it is quite vivid. He goes through all of these examples of what life looks like. If you do all these things, then your life is going to look like this. This is the fruit of your life when you practice this in your life, right? And Paul actually tells them, he says, to walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. All right, well, flesh, what do you you mean, your flesh? So flesh, he's referring to sinful nature or selfish desires or inclinations that are actually not from God. So he's saying, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify those selfish desires. You're probably going to gratify desires from the Spirit. Is that right? You guys with me? So Paul goes on to explain to everybody. He says, for the flesh desires what, what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. That totally makes sense, right? So what God wants for us is different than what our selfish desires might want for us. And they're constantly at odds inside of us. Conflicting. So the fruit is completely different. I think it's pretty plain to say. It's quite clear. So whatever you're building in your life or the way that you live your life, it's going to be like people will be able to see by the fruit. I want to read this to you, and I want you to think about this. This is going to be kind of the theme over this morning. The fruit you bear is determined by what you behold. Think about that for a moment. The fruit you bear in life is determined by what you behold. If I behold and give all my affection, my adoration to my selfish desires, the fruit in my life is going to show that. If I behold people-pleasing and pleasing everybody else in my world, the fruit I produce is going to show that. It's going to show that I put everybody's opinion of me before mine and before God's. Right? And if there's this desire in me to live by what Paul says is the Spirit, then the fruit of my life is going to actually show that I'm following God and walking in step with God. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23, let's read from that. I'm actually going to read from the English Standard Version, so if you want to look up on the the screen behind me. Paul tells them this. He says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such these things there is no law. See, this is what a life that's yielded to and led by the Holy Spirit of God looks like. A life that we could fully live and step into all that God has created for us and created us for. I'm going to read that again. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Quite the list, right? It's a great list, all amazing things, right? A bit daunting. Or is that just me? I read that and I'm like, wow, yeah, I got a little bit of that. Probably like more 80% on this one, maybe 30% on that one. That one, I just, let's 
focusing on the other ones. Let's skip that one, self-control. Yep, oh, that's kind of during certain times. Gentleness depends on who it's with, right? Or like Isaiah said, situational trust or kind of, you know, it's conditional. Um, but the great news is if we actually look at this, so many people read this and they think, like, how am I going to do that? That is impossible. It actually is. We can't do it on our own. But that's actually the, that news, that's actually the good news, yeah. is that we cannot do it on our, our, on our own because the good news is that God actually wants to partner with us and give us his spirit so we could actually bear this fruit in our lives. He's saying that by me, you're actually going to ex, like express and produce these fruits in your world. Yeah. Without me, you won't be able to. You can try and you will do like your best, but let me tell you, it's not sustainable. Yeah. You will wear yourself out. And you might even make it only just through the first two. That's nine things on there. That's a whole lot. And imagine like love, joy, peace, patience. Oh, patience. How many of you love waiting in long lines at cafes to get a coffee? We have a multiplication of liars today. Bless you. No. Morgan works at a cafe so she can make her own coffee. So that works out for you. But going back to the, the, spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, see, there's, there's natural and there's spiritual elements to producing the fruit of the Spirit. Um, for us to yield is the natural portion. We yield and allow God to lead us, and then, of course, he provides the strength and empowers us to, to grow the fruit in our world. We can't actually grow it on our own. Have, side note. Question for you. Have you ever tried to love someone that's unlovable or just yeah. difficult? Yeah. Right? Has anyone? Yeah. You know it takes supernatural power to do that, right? <laughs> it is near impossible to love someone like that. Like you could be nice to them, but then you walk away and you're like, oh, man. Just want to say some choice words to them. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. You ever hear that? Oh, I love you. You're so good. Bless your heart. Let me ask you another question. Why does Paul refer to this? This is not a trick question either. Have you noticed Paul refers to it as fruit of the Spirit, not fruits, plural, of the Spirit? Why is that? Why is it singular? Same what? You got stuff in your mouth. I can't even hear. <laughs> same tree. One fruit manifested in nine different expressions. That's what it is. It's because it's one fruit manifested in nine distinct qualities. See, it's, it's not like you will have one and then not the others. If you have one, you're going to have eight other ones. It's impossible to just have like two of them and not have the rest. Like, we can't pick and choose. If it's the Spirit of God living in us and we yield to God and we allow him to lead us, we're going to experience all nine of these in our lives. So it's not like one or the other. Because I know I read through this and I see that and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I pick and choose kind of what works for me at the time. But once I actually submit and I allow God, I say, God, you know what? My agenda to the side, I want you to move through me and I want you to love through me. Something takes place. A shift takes place. And it's not like 
well, the next six months of my life, this, this season has just been about love. It's just been me focusing in on love, and the other ones will they'll come in next season. No! There's no next, ne- they're all in season. It's not like a, it's not like there's, there's love in season this season, and then patience and peace will be in six months down the road or a year down the road. They're all in season together. They're a package deal. I'm going to tell you something that might actually help you as you look through these nine fruits of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. The first three are what we receive from our relationship with God. See that? Love, joy, peace comes from God. The next three, patience, kindness, goodness, they extend with our relationship with others. They're from us extending out to our relationship with others. And then the final three, if I don't lose my place here, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control is in relation to ourselves. That's something that we express and build. So you get that? The first three, in relationship to God. The next three, in relationship to others. The final three, relationship to ourselves. Is that good? Is that helpful? Okay, good. Now, why love? Why does Paul start with love? You don't have to answer that. But there's something intentional about him starting off with love. Starting off with love and ending with self-control, I think. See, Paul begins with love because he actually outlines earlier in this chapter, and I think it's around verse 14, that love fulfills the entire law. So he said all of the law and religious laws that everyone followed, love actually fulfilled that. So he begins with love, but there's more to it. See, the whole list here is actually built off of the first word if you run through everything. Love. It's because love is the essence of the entire list. If you go throughout those nine, you can see that love would be the driving force of every single one of those. It's the underlining principle of all other eight of the the fruits. Now, it's perfect sense that this would be the first scripture tells us in um, because in what is it? 1, 1 John 4, 8. Scripture tells us that God is love. Yeah. So the same love that sent his son to earth, the same love that Jesus motivated him to be on the cross for us, that love, it's not only available for us, but it's available in us. See, he resides in us. In John 17, 26, I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. Jesus actually prayed to the Father. He says, I have revealed to them who you are, and I will continue to make you even more real to them so that they may experience the same endless love that you have for me. For your love will now live in them even as I live in them. So this love that he's talking about, that same love, the love of God, do you realize it's in you? You carry that love, that same love. The same love that motivated Jesus to give his life up, you actually carry that. And it's not just any love. The Greek word for this love is agape, which means it's an unconditional love. It's a pure, just unadulterated love. It's a love that only God can give, and it's a love that God has for us, and that's this word agape that's used there. It's actually like the highest form of love. Excuse me. 
And this love your life can put on display for all when the Holy Spirit is at work in you. Amen? Yeah. See, love that comes from a heart that's yielded to God. When that love comes from a heart that's yielded, it's like it's coming from a well that will never run dry. It's an endless resource. It's an endless supply. And all we have to do is rely on that source. And we're able to love. We don't have to do it on our own. That love is special. And that's why Paul puts it first. And then next, of course, he segues into joy. And joy and peace, if you read the next two, like we said, these are in relation to our, with God, what we receive from our relationship with God. But joy and peace reflect the inward effectiveness of God's love in our world. The Greek word here for joy is kara. And this means a deep abiding and inner rejoicing, which is completely independent of outward circumstance. How many of you want to feel that joy? I don't know about you, but a lot of times the joy that I experience is circumstantial. I want that joy that has nothing to do with circumstance, nothing to do with whatever's going on in my world, but it is that deep joy that comes from God himself. In fact, this same joy is actually referenced in Hebrews chapter 12. It's talking about Jesus, and Scripture says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. That joy that Jesus had when he thought about your face, all of you, when he marched up to that cross and knew that he was giving up his life, there was a joy that resounded in him that he's made available to you. That's the joy that he has for you. Not just any joy. It's a joy that circumstance actually cannot make waver. It's a joy that bad news or a bad report will not take away. This is a joy that is rooted in a firm foundation of God himself. That's true joy. Now, the fruit of peace, it's the exact opposite of anxiety. It's the exact opposite of stress. The peace that's referenced here in this fruit, God actually exchanges it for those other items. When we're feeling stress and we're feeling the weight of the world, Jesus says, peace, I leave you. Peace, I, my peace, I give you. It's actually his peace and he exchanges that for our burdens, for our worries, for our stresses, everything that we've taken on. Yeah. See, what happens in life is we, we start to see these things, and we start to almost think, like, God, I know you're big, but I don't know if I can fully trust you with it, because this is hurting. This doesn't feel right. And then what happens is we start to bring, we allow that stress and that anxiety to come up. And it's not like we're saying, hey, like, come over and, you know, load me up, anxiety. No, it's all like subconsciously. It's the way that we're wired that it just comes. It doesn't ask for permission. Anxiety comes when you least want it. Yeah. In fact, when do you ever want anxiety or stress, right? But it comes and it comes and it comes in a flurry and it comes in waves and it hits you and it completely rocks you and gets ready to take you out. But Jesus is saying, what I have is here for you. All you need to do is accept this because I actually want to take that from you. That worry that stress that might keep you up at night, I want to take it. You're my child. I love you. I want to give you my peace. So that's what's readily available for us. I just want to reiterate what I said earlier. The fruit you bear is determined by what you behold. 
The fruit you bear is determined by what you behold. When we behold Jesus Christ, like we talked about last week, when Peter and John went to the Sanhedrin and all the religious officials are coming down on them for healing a man, right? And the religious officials walked away and took, Scripture literally says they took note that these men were unlearned, but yet it was so obvious to them that they had been with Jesus. See what happens when you behold the living God? When we fixate our eyes on him in all of his glory, that's what we bear. People can see that. We bear his image. People can tell when you're around God. Fruit of the Spirit is that literally, it's like the mark and the manifestation of the presence in our lives. The presence of God. When you spend time in the presence of God, you leave changed. You cannot, you cannot be in the presence of God and not be marked. What happened when Moses went up on the mountain and spent time in the presence of God? He came down literally glowing. Something manifests. Something take pl- takes place. Like our flesh, our bodies can't handle being in the presence of God. So something starts to go on inside of us, right? And then when we step out from the presence of God, that's the fruit that we bear. And let me tell you something. That's the most attractive fruit that you could ever have in your life. Because that's the fruit that does not run out. That's the fruit that everybody hungers and desires for. They want the fruit that God can provide. That God, we always hear that God-shaped hole and right in people's hearts. You always hear that only God can fulfill. Excuse me. That's from sitting in his presence. If we behold and we sit in awe and I kneel down in awe of the God of the God of you know, creator of heaven and earth, and I sit at Jesus' feet, and I behold him and give him my adoration, God is going to reward that with fruit, and I'm going to be changed. These fruits that we would strive for and work so hard to love people and to be patient and to have peace and to be kind and, all, and have self-control, all of these things that we find so difficult in trying, because let's be frank, they are. But when you sit in the presence of God and you behold the living God... It's a byproduct. It just comes with it. You don't have to strive anymore. You could just sit back in the presence and receive. And then you walk out and people see what's on your life. People want to be around you. People want what you have. I just wrote down in a lot of ways, this is like the fruit of the Spirit is an invitation. It's an invitation urging us to break away from this ordinary, no different than anybody else kind of living, and to discover the mighty power of the Holy Spirit like a great river flowing through our life, cleansing it and empowering us able to, empowering us to be able to walk in the fullness of who we are created to be, sons and daughters of the living God. Truth of the matter is, though, it's just like growing a fruit tree, right? If we look out there, our little communal garden outside months ago there was nothing there it takes time it takes effort it takes intentionality but see often we could abandon the pursuit of seeing this fruit produced in our lives because the yield isn't immediate it doesn't fit our timeline we like to work on our own agendas and our own timelines. And God, if you don't meet that, well, I'm not going to wait. I don't have time for this. I have goals I want to achieve. I have things in life I want, you know, there's areas I want to be in in life. 
And so we've completely abandoned this. Or have you ever been a, you ever faced a, a decision that's really difficult to make? And you kind of know, like, what would God want me to do? It's probably that, but like, uh, that's just too hard. Let's be real. I don't want to go through that. And then what happens? We wonder why we're not yielding fruit, why our lives are not producing this fruit, why we're not experiencing this love, this peace, this patience, kindness, goodness, why we're not experiencing self-control, why self-control has been the one thing we've struggled with for years. We wonder why. Yet any time, it's as if we plant the seeds and we water and wait for God to grow it. We're just like, this is taking too long, I'm done. I'm just going to leave the garden the way it is. And let's be straight up, we're, we're not exempt from succumbing to our fleshly desires too. Like our, our sinful nature, our, like our selfish desires, like we're not exempt from that. Christian or not, you're not exempt. You're not bulletproof, like God's giving you victory, but you still need to be able to step into freedom. You might have won the battle, but you don't, walking on your own in victory, you're still not fully in freedom. You need to walk in step with the living God, and then you'll experience freedom. You hear me? Like, it's possible to experience victory, but not to experience freedom. And I know many people that have experienced this in their worlds. They've been praying for breakthrough. They've experienced breakthrough, but then they haven't, they haven't experienced complete breakthrough. And they're like, it's still a struggle. I might have passed this, and I might have made it through this tough season, but it is still a struggle for me. It still haunts me. You see it all the time. But in his presence is a fullness of joy. In his presence, we're reassured by who we are. In his presence, we're rejuvenated and encouraged and embraced by a loving Father. It's really our choice to do. Take what, what path we want to choose. Do we want to continue living life the way that we have? We're completely happy with that. Or do we want to choose what God has for us and be intentional about it? And I'll just be straight up too. Like, I, this is something I, I need to work on. I'm constantly working on this. Yeah, I'm a pastor of a church, but I still have to work on this as well because if, I, if I'm not careful, I could see myself starting to get anxious. I could see the stress building up in my world. Even the past couple of weeks, I was telling Amory, I was like, we're in Reading, and we sat down for lunch one day, and I said, I'm just overwhelmed. If I don't check myself and realize, actually, I need to spend time with God. I just need to sit with him because this isn't for me to carry. He's going to shoulder the load for me. I actually don't have to do this. But what I'm doing is I'm clinging on to it because I need to do this. I need to get this done. I need to achieve this. I'll tell you, I'm just going to be, I'm, man, I could be negative too. I could get negative in a heartbeat. That's not good. That is not from God. And let me tell you what, not only does that steal my joy and my perspective, ruins my perspective, it steals the joy of others around me. So we don't realize like the decisions that we make in, in life and our daily decisions of what we choose to believe or choose to hold dear in our heart, it actually impacts the people in our world. Speaking of work, some of us want to produce and experience more fruit but we actually lack the depth and the root system, right, to bear this fruit. 
To experience more fruit, you need deeper roots to allow this to take place. But for roots to go down deep, we need to break more ground and address issues that are not easy. And that maybe we've tried to address before, and they're difficult. Steps of Breakthrough, October. You want to be there. (laughs) Shameless plug. But do you realize, family, that we need to give God clearance to do so? He's not just going to force, force his way into our world and say, let me at it, I'm going to heal everything, all the stuff, the deepest, darkest secrets that you have, I'm going to just redeem everything. He says, yes, I'm going to, but he wants you to allow him to come in. Yeah. He wants you to come, say, God, come. I want you to heal me. I want you to take care. I want you to restore me. And he will. Aside from breaking up the soil, one of the other aspects is pruning sure saying even saying the word pruning with fruit some of you can like cringe because you think oh yeah that's gonna hurt but there's two facets of pruning one is cutting off the dead branches and anything not producing fruit right and that hurts but then the other you actually trim back healthy branches so that you could yield more fruit so pruning we struggle with it because we can't see what God is doing when we're in a season or we're a season of life where we're feeling this struggle, this tension. And, and it hurts, God. What are you doing? It's like that capacity stretch, but you're, you know, not really just jumping into it saying, yes, Lord, do whatever you want to do. Please, this hurts, but it's okay, right? Because it's so often that we can't see what God is doing. We don't understand what he's doing. We just know he's up to something. But the reality is that God is faithful and he will do this and he is faithful. He's never let us down. He will bear more fruit. He actually wants to. In fact, in John 15, Jesus says, I chose you and appointed you. He actually begins it by saying, you didn't choose me. I chose you and appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. That's Jesus saying that. He actually wants you to bear fruit. God wants you to bear fruit, and not just any fruit. He wants you to bear fruit that will last. He wants you to bear a lot of fruit because, hello, it points people to him. Like God wants us to grow and thrive. So when we're in our pruning season or something is difficult, we need to stop comparing our season to someone else's harvest season because we do that all the time. We don't know what God is doing behind the scenes, and we think, why is it so tough for me? And Ken could sit up here and sing and be all happy about Jesus and whatever, right? Or am I the only one that would ever go through that internally? I guess so. I'll start a support group for myself, right? We need to stop comparing our pruning season with someone else's pruning season or their harvest season, amen? God wants you to grow and thrive, family. We need to understand that fruit of the Spirit, the fruit, it honors God and it brings glory to him. It points people directly to God. And like, I know that we get it all mixed up sometimes because we feel like, you know, the fruit of our lives, it shows people how awesome and spiritual we are, right? How much we have our stuff together. Look at my fruit, right? How awesome am I? God's done all this in my world. I've grown. I'm patient and kind and I exude goodness and self-control. Too bad humbleness isn't on there too, right? (laughs) That'd be one of them. But our our identity actually starts to get wrapped up in this. This is a game changer, though. When we actually desire to bear fruit, 
to honor God as an offering, that's when God says yes. And he blesses it. And we see more fruit and more fruit. And it becomes multiplied. When it no longer is about us and it's all about God, we actually want to bear fruit for you. I want to do this for you, God. I want to be a living offering. God, I want to please you. I want to live my life for you and to honor you. And that's when God breathes on it. And you start to bear fruit that you never thought you'd bear. You start to bear fruit, amounts of fruit that you would never even think. John 15, Jesus is talking about, he says he's the vine and we're the branches, right? He says, no branch could bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. It must remain in the vine. So to bear fruit, we need to remain in him. When we're not in step with him, we're actually cutting ourselves off from his life-giving power. Do you realize that? It's basically saying, God, I'm good. I could do this on my own. I got it. Thanks, so. It's good, God. I'll come to you when I need it. I'll come to you when I need it. At what point do we stop choosing Jesus as the add-on nice to have in our lives and actually make him the focal point? At what point do we stop treating God as the rescue boat in a sea of crashing waves or the ladder out of our problems? At what point do we stop treating him like that and only situationally come to him? And when we do that, we wonder, where is the fruit in my world? This is worthless because I'm not getting anywhere. I was nice and I listened to God. I read my Bible for about a month one time. He did nothing. Right? Oh my gosh. Whatever, I'm over this. The decisions that we make, the choices that we make daily, don't, affect, don't just affect our today. They affect our tomorrow. They affect our future. They affect future generations, and they affect many other people as well. See, when we bear these fruits, when we produce these fruits, we reflect Jesus because Jesus models all of these fruits in perfection. I'm going to invite the worship team on up. So fruit of the Spirit, it comes hand in hand with us walking with the Spirit of God, with the Holy Spirit, God himself. God has invited us into an intimate relationship with the Trinity, with him. Holy Spirit is him. It's God. He is God. He's invited us into this. Let me tell you, God's heart for you is actually to conform you to Jesus, not to conform you to this world. But I'm going to read for you because I know, especially in today's day and age, a lot of us struggle with the word conform because we might not even realize what the true meaning is. We understand what one of the meanings is, but to conform is to be similar or identical, but to be in agreement or harmony. God wants us to be in harmony with Jesus Christ. He wants us to mirror him to the world around us because the world around us is crying out for love, that perfect love, that unadulterated, perfect love that's unconditional, that has no stipulations around it. The world is crying out for that. The fruit we bear is determined by what we behold today. 
Family, the fruit we bear is determined by what we behold. So I've got to ask you in closing, as we begin to worship, what has your adoration? What are you beholding today? Who has your heart? Thanks again for listening to the House SF podcast. We pray that you're encouraged today by this message. If you'd like to partner with and support our ministry, please visit us at www.housesf.org.